Hi, welcome everybody to Canada Bears Sportcast. I'm Bryn Griffiths along with Paul Almeida. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Here we go. We're into the month of September and the World Juniors is coming up in the Czech Republic, but yet it, it seems so far away, but it is not. It is not far away. We're less than four months away from being in Prague prior to the tournament. Very exciting stuff on the show, on the podcast. Today, we're going to be chatting with, uh, with our good buddy from the Pipeline Show, Guy Flaming. Guy is probably one of the more noted authorities when it comes to uh, seeing exactly what's going on with all the teams and their and the depth that they've got developing in the minors or in the junior leagues. Does he not? He is excellent, uh, an excellent wealth of knowledge with prospects and uh, junior hockey. So he's the right guy for us to talk to because these are the kids that are going to be the stars of the World Junior Tournament. I actually want to talk to Guy about how long he's been doing this show. And I, 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 and I know because I had a bit of a hand in getting him rolling on it. It's a long time now. It is a long time. But the thing that I love about this was that there were people who were very dismissive of the Pipeline show when it first started. And what he's done with this... I'm so impressed and I'm very proud because I, I just like what he's where he's taken this thing and the fact that now there's notable people around the globe that look at the Pipeline Show as being a huge, huge source of information. It's a great source of information for those that like prospects, the NHL draft, junior hockey. It's the place to go. Guy knows junior hockey better than anybody I know. Let's talk about, before we get to Guy, Let's talk about the fact that we still have some spots available for this package that we're taking. Well, we have more than one package going over. Yeah, we have seven packages. We have a pack packages leaving on the 19th of December, the 22nd of December, if you want to go early and spend some time in Prague before the tournament starts. If you want to stay home, have Christmas in, uh, at home with your family, you can leave on Boxing Day. And then on the way back, we have pa uh, packages that return on the 7th, the 9th, and the 12th. So there's different lengths of packages that you can choose from to enjoy the tournament, but enjoy some time in Prague before or afterwards. And then we also have a package that extends and goes into Austria and Germany afterwards as well. And yes, we only have a few packages left right now. But what packages are available, or you're still in a, in a situation where you can mix it around? Yeah, a little you bit. can. We we still have packages available uh, at all different levels. So, yeah. uh, so long as we can get flights, we can get you in. The thing is, uh, probably uh, we're not too far away from being sold out. The one thing too we have to tell people: if you're thinking about doing this, now is the time to move because. Trying to get seats on planes at Christmas is not easy. It's not easy, and that's the thing. A lot of our allotment of seats, uh, group seats that we're holding, is going to expire soon, which means we're going to lose those seats and then have to book everybody individually. Um, in addition to that, remember that all the medal games are sold out. Yes. All the Canada games are sold out already. So the tickets that we have left are what's left if you want to catch these games live. It's not like you can just give us a show in December. No. Well, now, you so can. We you, can you see could. what we can yeah, do. But. You, you can, but if you want to guarantee that you're going to be coming with us and having a lot of fun, that's right. then now's the time to to respond as quickly as you possibly can. We've talked about going to the games. We've talked about the tour. We have a hospitality suite, too. We're going to have some fun at. That's right. Every evening after games, uh, we have the hospitality suite. It's going to be open until 2 a.m. We're going to do our podcast from the hospitality suite in the evenings which will be midnight in the Czech Republic. I hope you're still awake. I'll be fine. I'm a late night guy. <laughs> and it'll be approximately four o'clock mountain time here in, in, uh, in Canada. So it's a great way to catch up on your rural junior information if you've been at work all day and on the way home want to listen. And we're going to stream that live.
live. So yeah. you can listen to it live. And if you can't catch it live, then you can always just download the podcast and see the kind of fun that you missed because you're stuck at home. So are we going to have makeup people? Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, we will not. I, okay. I'm debating on how we're going to light gel. things. Yeah, it, yeah. Just bring a little gel. I've got a little Grecian formula going just to take a little <laughs> bit of the shimmer off. So we'll be okay. But, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So do come and join us. Now, once again, let's tell everybody the website. How they can get a hold of you. Azrakan.net, A-Z-O-R-C-A-N.net is where we have all the information, all the packages. You can also email us, paul at azrakan.net. Or you can track me down at mightymouth at shaw.ca and I can get you in touch with Paul and we can get this thing going. But like I said, September, it's a huge month for us. We're trying to get this all booked up. We'd love to take a full compliment of people, and they're not just Canadians. Or do we have some American people joining us? How we are we going uh, to get along with these people? Yeah, we have one American girl who's come twice on the tour already. <laughs> okay. So she's coming from Detroit. Nice, and she's a U.S. fan. So that first game may be interesting. And we <laughs> have three hundred over three hundred people are going to be on this tour, Brent. Okay, and we have them from every province and territory except for one, <laughs> except for PEI. What is going on out there? And Nunavut. Hmm. Oh, I did not know about Nunavut. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have two little. Two little hot spots we got to work on here That's over the right. next few weeks. Okay, well, we'll continue to do that. You ready to get to Guy? Let's get him. All right, Guy Flaming, up next. Well, if you have not heard the Pipeline Show, you are missing something, and you're also missing the uh, eloquence of the host, who is Guy Flaming, who joins us via FaceTime today. How you doing? I'm doing really well, Brain. Great to talk to you. It's been a long time. I know, too long. Uh, let's talk about the Pipeline Show right right out of the gate here. And I was just saying a couple of minutes ago with Paul, I really do have a huge pride factor in this show because I, when we first kind of helped you along a little bit and you got started, uh-huh. there were a lot of people that were very dismissive. And, and it used to really <laughs> piss me off, actually, is what it did. And now this, is, this has gotten to the point where you're kind of the authority, and I absolutely love that. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It, it the, the show has definitely evolved a lot. Going into this is we started well, I've started season fifteen now. So going back to two thousand and six when the show began, I remember when I, I first pitched you on the idea and you loved the idea and you're like, oh, well, who are you gonna get to host it? It's like, well, I I kinda wanted to host it myself. And you're like, Yeah, well, you, you don't know what you're doing basically. So <laughs> find somebody who can do it with you. And then unfortunately Dean Millard was available and was all over it too. And um, so we took off and had a pretty good partnership. And it was funny because the first season we did was basically an Oilers show. We, we, the idea behind it was we're going to pick one Oiler prospect and beat that horse to death. We're, we're going to get the player. We're going to get the player on the show. Uh, the scout maybe who saw him the most, and recommended him, and then somebody else, like his coach or somebody from the somebody else, to talk with the player. That's what we did for like six months, and then after we took a two month break in the summer, and I said to Dean, "This is killing me. I do not want to talk about Oilers anymore." Um, so then we just opened it up and just started about talking about prospects everywhere, and that's that's the way it's evolved, and I love it. Do you remember the turning point for you guys? 
in terms of what, like what really got it going? Yeah, because like I said, you heard, you had to have heard the same kind of stuff. Somebody, somebody, I had more than one or two guys say that show's never going to work. I said, oh really? Well, just watch it. And like I said, I I have a huge amount of pride every time I tune in because I'm thinking, man, this show, this show had to beat the odds and has done it. Well, I, I do remember in that first stretch where we were just just doing Euler prospects. Uh, there was a local media guy who uh, nicknamed it the instead of the pipeline show, he called it the pipe lick show, and that we were just, you know, kissing the butt of the Oilers, and and so moving away from that sort of uh, content where it was just strictly Oilers and branching out so that we were covering every team's prospects, and and even now we don't even I don't even talk NHL anymore. Now it's just prospects. So now it's lots of WHL and CHL and NCAA, and so it's become very. It's a niche show, but it's very unique. If you want to know about those players, those types of leagues, this is where you come. So in that regard, I think that's how we kind of turned the corner, if you will, and maybe carved out our own our own niche and, and became what we're known for. Well, Guy, that's exactly what we want to know about is the junior players, the college players that are going to be at the World Juniors. Uh, talk a little bit about the World Juniors. I think it's become, you know, it's it's obviously become a Christmas tradition for everybody here in Canada. Everybody has mm-hmm. great memories of some of the big goals or big moments from the World Juniors. But has it become the premier junior hockey showcase, even ahead of the Memorial Cup right now? Oh, I think so, because it's on the global stage. Uh, certainly, it's, it's well scouted. It's it's really the, the time, for the most part, where the best of the best of that age group can get together. There, every, you know, there might be one player or two players for some countries that aren't going because they happen to be at the top level in the NHL and won't be available. But outside of that, it's the one tournament where they all get together. So it's, it's the best on best for the most part. You, you could argue the U18 is, is like that as well, but Canada is really understaffed. Uh, when it comes to that, because so many of their best players are playing in the CHL playoffs, and you could uh, you, the Holinka Gretzky Cup now is called uh, is a good tournament as well. But the United States never sends their A team because their A team is the uh, the U.S. National Development Program, and they only go to IIHF events, which the Holinka Gretzky Cup is not. So you don't see the best on best there either. So really, the World Junior is as close as you're going to get to it. The U21. Gee Flaming from the Pipeline Show is joining us on the Canada Bears sportcast today. The one thing, having done four and a half to five years of play-by-play in the Western Hockey League, the thing that I used to love was watching the development of the kids, yeah, the young guys from, you know, maybe even age 16 all the way up to the overage guys, you know, or even watching the development of the player through an entire season. Now, you mentioned the Halinka, which is a summer event, where we watch a lot of these kids and think, hey, here's one who's going to be playing for us in December. But so much can happen between August and September. Well, there are players who don't even get invited to the Holinka or the Summer World Junior Showcase that happens in August. Both of those events happen in August. There are guys who don't get invited to participate in that who are on the World Junior team four months later just because of how how quickly they've uh, burst out of the gate in the regular season and Clearly, they've taken a step ahead in their development. So, yeah, at this age, it's it's really a, it's one of my f- favorite parts about opening training camp is training camp opens at the end of August. Some of these players you haven't seen since the, the team was done, knocked out of the playoffs or whatever, didn't make the playoffs. So, April, you got four months of – suddenly a guy is 
two and a half inches, three inches taller and 15 pounds heavier. And he looks like a completely different person. And, and that happens every year for four or five years for a guy during his junior career. I remember Adam Lowry is a great example. I think he was drafted 5'10", 170 pounds or something. By the time he's done, he's 6'5", and 215. And, and now playing for the <laughs> That's Winnipeg a big change. Jets. Like, it's it's night and day difference. And uh, it, I, I think scouting at the junior level is just ridiculously crazy hard. you got to be Batman-style detective and, and trying to predict how big a guy is going to be four years later. So, Guy, you know we're taking the group this year to the Czech Republic. We have over 300 people already. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience when you came with us in 2016 to, to Helsinki in Finland. A little bit about the hockey side, what it's like being there to see these games live, to uh, see the scouts at the arenas, the atmosphere in the arena. Uh, speak a little bit to that. It was a bucket list thing for me was to go at some point in my life uh, to go to Europe and watch international hockey on the international stage over there to experience what it's like over there. It's fantastic. It's honestly, it's been probably the highlight of my career is to be able to go and be at the world junior in 2016 in Helsinki. It was, it was fantastic. And I'm not just saying that because it was your tour that put it on, uh, but you did a great job of, of taking care of everybody that was on the tour the trip to Tallinn, Estonia, the day trip was was outstanding. The hockey itself was unbelievable. And, I mean, it was a storybook finish that year with Finland winning at home in overtime against our tribal Russia like that was unbelievable. You had the Temu Salani going nuts in the in the uh, press box and all that. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. The weather was good. Uh, there were a couple days where it was cold, but in general, it was really good. Uh, I, there was just everything about it was was first class uh, from the tour to the, the tournament, the way it was organized. I thought the city was outstanding. I'd really love to go to Prague because I'd never been there, uh, and the weather will probably be a little bit better, I would, I would guess. Um, but seeing the European fan and the way they watch the game and they're involved in the game, the way they cheer, all the chants and, and all of that stuff is just – it's so much better than it is over here, to be honest. That's the direction I want to go with this. I've always told fans, if you get a chance to watch your team, whoever it is, it's one thing to watch them at home. It's another thing to watch them when they're the villain on the road. Now, here, here you're talking about Finland in 2016, and you know Canadians are, are viewed a certain way in the way we play the game. Were you kind of taken back a little bit by the atmosphere and how Canadians are perceived on the ice a little bit? Um, you know, I, I kind of expected that almost Canada would be the villain, kind of like we look at the United States when, when <laughs> the U.S. and Canada play here. I mean, there's nobody I, I don't think that Canadian fans love to beat more than the U.S. now, probably even more than Russia. But yeah, I didn't I didn't find Canada playing that villain role over there uh, as much. And maybe because they weren't that good that year. I think Canada finished fifth or something, if I remember correctly. So they weren't necessarily uh, the top dog to knock off. Um, I, I, they're obviously Sweden and Finland have a great rivalry and Finland and Russia have a, a really good rivalry. So it seemed like those were the games that the Finnish fans got up for. The Swedish fans are tremendous. You see the, the, the chance that they have with their own fans, fans at one end of the rink will be chanting at the, at the Swedish fans at the other end of the rink. Uh, and Paul, I don't know what the translation of those are. Those chants. You're asking me? Yeah, but it's really entertaining, <laughs> isn't it, to see this, the Swedish fans going back and forth? Yeah, the European fans, when it comes to something like this, uh, you know, 
when we have the World Juniors here in Canada, we don't get those European fan fans in the arena. It's mostly all Canadian. Yeah. When you go to Europe, there's a, a lot of Canadians there. Don't get me wrong for these games. But you also see fans from different pockets of Europe who are there to cheer their teams and have a great time. That's the number one thing. And everybody gets along. That's the great part about it as well. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, yeah, Guy. No. Sorry, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Guy. No, I was just going to agree with what you said. Okay. Uh, moving on to the tournament a little bit. I want to ask you a little bit about Team Canada. Uh, okay. You know, we're all always excited to see who the next uh, big star is going to be coming on the horizon from Canadian hockey and, and just how the team might do. Uh, everybody loves the World Juniors. Everybody wants to see Canada win that gold medal. It's getting harder and harder. But how do you see Canada stacking up this year? I think what we've come to realize is there's it's probably a five-team tournament uh, with Canada, the U.S., Russia, Sweden, and Finland. One of those teams is almost guaranteed to win it every year. It's 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 really impressive if somebody else can squeak onto the podium uh, from other countries. I know Slovakia had a good year once, and Czech and the Czech Republic recently as well. Switzerland every once in a while is a is a, a thorn in the side of uh, some of the big teams, but. It's those five countries that dominate this tournament now, and and uh, two of them are going to miss the podium for sure. And so Canada has taken their turn missing the podium. Every year they go into it thinking they can be the, the, the gold medal winner, uh, and this year is no different. They're, they're going to have a very good team again. Um, and there are players who weren't involved in the summer that will be on the team. There were a couple of guys who were injured, Dylan Cousins, Peyton Krebs. They weren't involved in the summer uh, showcase uh, that should be on the team uh, come December. So, I, I, again, I think they'll be very good. Their defense, to me, look good, and they're going to have uh, some really offensively talented forwards. Uh, goaltending is a bit of a – I think it's an open field right now for who the, the goalie will be for Canada. But when you look at the rest of the countries, the, those top-end countries, they've got a lot of talent on those teams too. Canada Bears Sports Gas, you're tuning us in. It's Bryn, it's Paul, and joining us from the Pipeline Show is Guy Flaming. You know, the one wild card, though, when you're playing at home is that if you get off to a good start, you can really kind of mess up other teams. The Czech Republic, the crowds, they're, they're noted for having very enthusiastic crowds. If you get off to a quick start here, a team like that can really kind of uh, upset the apple cart, so to speak. Do you think that they have any potential of doing that this time around, playing at home? I don't. Uh, I, I think I understand what you're saying, and yeah, yeah if you can get – get a couple of wins early and ride some momentum and you certainly have the, the crowd behind you, but um, I just don't think they have the depth that, uh, that the other five, the, the big five countries have uh, when it comes to this event. So uh, I think they will be a, uh, a plucky team and they will have that home ice advantage, but in the end, I, I don't see them. I don't expect them to be on the podium. Traditionally, Russia has been Canada's biggest rival and when it comes to hockey, but I think that's kind of been overtaken by the Americans. The Americans had a great draft this summer, so I think that's going to translate, yeah. usually does, into a good World Junior team. Are they the favorites going into this tournament, and do you see any weaknesses on that team? Uh, I, they would be one of the favorites for sure, and um, I, I think the blue line is is probably their weakest area. There's not a lot of big household names on the blue line. Keandre Miller is the New York Rangers' first round pick from 2018. He's, he's probably the biggest name, um, but outside of that, there's a lot of players who well, they've all been drafted, but there are a lot of fourth, fifth round type of, of uh, draft picks. Uh, but they have a lot of offensive weapons up front, and their goaltending will, with Spencer Knight probably as their their netminder, is is going to be top caliber. So th they're definitely going to be a, a tough team to beat. I would suggest they might win a lot of games 
you know, six, four or six, five, uh, because they have that offensive firepower. Um, but even that, I mean, you're going to have to find a way to score four or five goals on Spencer Knight, and that's not going to be easy. Guy, what other teams do you like going in, and who's your dark horse team? Uh, right now, I guess Sweden would probably, I don't know if Sweden would be called a, a dark horse, but I, I think they, they would be looking pretty good right now as well. Uh, they've got a couple of young players, the guys who are draft eligible this year in Alexander Holtz and Lucas Raymond. They'll both be top 10 picks, maybe even top five picks this year. Uh, they're outstanding players, uh, but they're young. They're only draft eligible this year. Um, so I, I would say right now I'd probably have the Americans as the favorite. Uh, maybe Canada is the second favorite. Uh, and I, if I was going to pick one country that's not one of those top five, I, I guess I probably would look at the Czechs. Um, but again, I don't think they're. I, I don't think I would give them dark horse status just yet. I think it's going to be tough to to get onto the podium ahead of any of those five teams this year. There have been many players, Gee, whose reputations have taken a huge. Uh, bump up based on their play at the World Juniors in the past. We can think of a few players who basically had the highlights of their career at the World Juniors and everybody thought they were going to become great stars in the NHL. Some did, some didn't. Can you give me three or four players that we should be looking for at the World Juniors that you think might dominate this tournament? Well, this year, I, I did mention the the, uh, the two Swedes already. I think Peyton Krebs could be a breakout uh, uh, tournament for him as well. Um, Playing, being stuck with the Kootenai ice the last couple of years, no help for uh, for Peyton Krebs with the ice. Um, now it's, I mean, he's coming off uh, uh, off season uh, injury where he hurt his Achilles, so he might be a little rusty once he gets to the tournament. But we saw at the top prospect game last year. Once he has good players around him, he's really good, and it burns out the best in him. So I, I think a tournament like this, uh, Peyton Krebs might be that guy for me. Have to ask you quickly because we're based in Western Canada, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. Who are the three guys you want to watch who are kind of representing those particular NHL franchises or have the potential to go to one of those three franchises? Oh, good. Uh, let's see. Well, I, I, here with the uh, the Oilers, I think uh, their goaltender is in the mix to, to be uh, on the team. Olivier Rodrigue would be a guy that uh, has a, a good chance. Of, uh, of making Team Canada. I, I know Ryan Lavoie, who they just drafted, would be probably involved and invited to the camp. He was involved at the summer camp. Um, not sure that he'll end up making the team or not. Um, boy, I didn't uh, pull up the, the rosters, the prospect list for uh, the three teams. So <laughs> well, well, that's okay. Uh, I know the Vancouver uh, Canucks, um, with uh, defenseman Quinn Hughes, he, he, he's probably going to be on the team, so... I mean, potentially he could be back in the tournament again, but um, I guess I would expect him to probably be busy with the NHL club. So uh, I, it wouldn't be him. I, I believe they have. Uh, well, no, now I'm going to be guessing at the names that the, that they own. Sorry. No, that's okay. That. No, that's all right. I, you know me. I like to throw the fastball once in a while just to kind of brush <laughs> you back off the plate. And also, we're going to be talking to you again as we get a little closer towards the month of December. So by then, everything okay. will kind of solve itself. So I'm not too too concerned about it. Okay, good. All right. Hey, listen, thanks for your time, and we will chat again. Everybody can catch you on the Pipeline Show. How can they track you down? But the, the website's thepipelineshow.com, and it's a podcast, so anywhere you get your podcast, Google Play, I, I, iTunes, uh, Spotify, and, and SoundCloud, everywhere else that you can get a podcast, just search for the Pipeline Show, and it'll be there. Just like us. Hey, thanks, man. We'll talk to you again, okay? Fellas, it was fun. Thanks. Thanks, Guy. 
Big thank you to Guy Flaming from the Pipeline Show joining us on this episode of Canada Bears Sportcast. Greg Drennan is up next. I've known Greg since I worked in the Western Hockey League back in the 1980s. He mentioned that when I called him. He goes, Bryn Griffiths from the Moose Jaw Warriors? I said, yes, that Bryn Griffiths. Yeah, exactly. So I hope there's not going to be too many uh, bad stories come up from my experiences in Saskatchewan. But uh, I... One of the highlights for me with Greg, and uh, you know, we can touch a little bit on it when we chat with him next, was that he he always did an unbelievable job of covering the Western Hockey League from his base back then, which was in Regina. So he used to write he used to write an, an article called "Around the Western Hockey yep, League." I remember reading it in the Regina Leader Post, and I think it came out every Wednesday. And we could not wait yep. to get the newspaper in Moose Jaw Wednesday afternoon to see what what was new because. There was no internet back then. No, there wasn't. Right? No. So the internet the internet to me was Greg Drennan. Yep. And he's well-connected. One oh, of the most well-connected people in the Western Hockey League. So I'm looking forward to talking to to Greg on our next uh, edition. Uh, it was great to catch up with Guy, too, as well today. Yeah, Guy's a, like I say, a wealth of knowledge and a fantastic resource for junior hockey. No and question we'll about it. We'll be talking it. to Bad people. Prospects. Oh, yeah. We'll be talking to all sorts of people throughout the, uh, the fall here and into the winter about what's coming up. Okay, so let's talk quickly again about how people can come and join us. Uh, the website, azorcan.net, A-Z-O-R-C-A-N.net. We have all the packages there, all seven packages. You can also email us, paul at azorcan.net for information and pricing for the tours. And uh, we only have a few spots left, so please don't wait to register because it will fill up quickly. And uh, it's going to be a great time, 300-plus Canadians we have uh, so many things planned, so many tours, uh, in addition to the hockey and some great events like our New Year's gala party and uh, Christmas party. So uh, if you ever wanted to experience the World Juniors in Europe, I can't think of a better place to do it than the Czech Republic. As Guy said, it was a bucket list thing for him. He's accomplished that. This is a bucket list one for me. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a lot of fun on this. I don't have a lot of bucket list stuff left. So I'm looking very much forward to uh, heading over to the Czech Republic. And it's the atmosphere that I want. It's, it's so I know the hockey is going to be great because yep. I watch it year after year after year like most Canadians. So I know the hockey is going to be sensational. But it's the whole atmosphere. And, and when you're over and you're away from home, it's... It's there's something different about it, and I I just it's tough to explain. Like, I I know a lot of my friends who've never been to Europe before, and yep. I keep saying you got to get over there. You got to get off the continent once in a while to see what it's all about. Well, most of us have been in a rival arena for an NHL match or a different type of pro, pro sports match, and you're walking in wearing the jersey of your team going into, you know, a different arena. Yeah. There's a different feeling when you're wearing a national team jersey or you're that Canadian Maple Leaf and walking into an arena in a foreign in foreign on foreign soil. Yeah, and you know, really, you feel a lot of pride saying, "Hey, I'm Canadian," and, that, and that's something that I think as Canadians, you know, we should be patriotic when we're abroad, and people are respectful. You know, because Canadians are are usually respectful, and well, that's a big thing. Well, that's one of the things I I have to ask because I've always wondered this. Yeah, and that is, so you're wearing your Team Canada jersey. What is it like dealing with the other fans from the other countries outside the stadium? Fantastic. That's I mean, what I got to think it's a real. There's a you're all being brought together by one thing, hockey. Yeah, you're all there for the same thing. You all want to have fun, and some of the best pictures that people will get, Bryn, 
are going to be with fans from other teams. You're going to see guys wearing crazy outfits and you're like, hey, I need to take a picture with that guy, you know, wearing my Canadian stuff. And those are some of the best pictures that people bring back from Europe is the interaction with fans from other countries. And even though there may be a language barrier, we all understand what we're there for. Yeah. We all want our teams to do well. And we all understand, hey, win or loss, we're here to have fun. Perfect. Have we touched on everything today? I think that's a wrap for today. It's been a blast. Get ready. As we said, our next uh, podcast coming your way, the Canada Bears Sportcast, will feature Greg Drennan, who knows a fair chunk about junior hockey because he's been covering it forever. So we look forward to having you join us on the next edition of Canada Bears Sportcast.